was going crazy. Okay, just waiting for it to go live, go live. Am I live or am I Memorex? <laughs> there we go. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Chef AJ Live. I'm your host, Chef AJ, and this is where I introduce you to amazing people like you who are doing great things in the world that I think you should know about. My guest today is a plant-based registered dietitian who works at PCRM. Her name is Maggie Neola, and she's going to do a wonderful culinary demo showing us exactly what a registered dietitian eats in a day. Please welcome Maggie. So nice to meet you. Thank you so much, Chef AJ. Thank you for having me today. I can't. I love that color. That's like my one of my favorite colors. Oh, yeah. Well, um, one fun thing about dietitians at the Physicians Committee is they get to go on TV every once in a while. Um, so I've learned that bright blue is a great color for TV. So why not wear it today? <laughs> no, it is. It's very pretty on you. And I just I love that color. I love when I, I wear it I love when my husband wears it. So that's good. And that's what's so neat about the food you're making is it's going to have a lot of color, I bet. Oh, it definitely will, because the more colorful it is, the more healthful it is for you. So love that you brought that up. Um, but yeah, we have three different things on the menu for today. Um, and I will kind of give you a spoiler alert. I don't eat the same thing every day. Um, I definitely believe in having diversity of food choices, again, diversity of food nutrients that you're getting exposed to. Um, but I just wanted to give you a good idea of maybe what a structure would look like, um, including lots of different food groups and a variety of choices within each food group um, throughout the day. So well, that, that sounds great. When did you become a registered dietitian? What made you decide to go into that field? And when did you start working with PCRM? Uh, so I became a dietitian in 2013. I graduated from The Ohio State University. Um, and actually, fun fact, I saw you present at the Cleveland Veg Fest back around that year, I think. Um, and I remember that you saw, you gave a song during your presentation. <laughs> so it was like the only only presentation I remembered from the entire conference. So songs are good. Yeah. Well, um, you also I, I always learned that if you if you make people laugh, they sometimes remember stuff more. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. You're totally right in that. Um, so yeah, I went into it because I love learning about food and how it's healthy for our bodies, how it helps us function and thrive. Um, and I love to cook. I've always enjoyed eating. Um, so why not figure out how to make food taste good? It's also good for you. So that's a really fun combination. Um, but I started at the Physicians Committee about five years ago, and it's been such a ride. Been able to do so many fun things and help so many people. Um, so it's, it's been great. Absolutely love it. So I know that the Barnard Medical Center does telemedicine now. Does that include the services of a registered dietitian such as yourself? Because sometimes that's what people need even more than a medical doctor. And if so, can that be done in any state or do they have to live in the state of Washington, D.C.? Great question. Um, so where I can do telehealth services depends on where I'm licensed. Um, so there's about five or six different states in the U.S. where I can see patients if they live there, one of which is California. Um, in addition to DC, Maryland, Virginia, and there's a few others, but I can't remember all of them. Um, so anyway, I, I can see a lot of different um, patients in those states, but there are three different dietitians on our staff at Barnard Medical Center, all with different licensures. So there's more states than just that where we can see patients and do nutrition counseling. And the same thing goes for our doctors and nurse practitioners as well. That's great. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a lot of fun. Um, we started the medical center I think now it's been over four years. Um, so it's expanded quite a bit and we love, love our patients. <laughs> so, 
Um, but yeah, well, I'm going to jump in for our Yes, recipe. please. I'd love to see what a registered dietitian eats in a day. <laughs> All right. So we're going to start off with my um, breakfast um, and I'll just give you a layout really quickly. Um, we have oatmeal with a warm apple cherry compote for breakfast. I'll show you a few variations. Um, for lunch, we're making a mango bean salad with farro. Uh, and then for dinner, we're going to make a baked potato with smoky chickpeas and a massage kale salad. Um, so it's a lot of fun, lots of different plants <laughs> and colors. So I hope that you enjoy it. Um, but we'll start off with breakfast and um, we're going to start off with making the apple cherry compote. And this is really simple. All it essentially means is like a cooked fruit that is thickened and warm and delicious. Um, so I already chopped up three apples and we're going, ahead to, going to put that in a medium saucepan here. Any apple will work. Um, I just went for some Fiji apples, but truly whatever you want to do is totally fine. Um, so what we're going to do is put all of the fruits in this pan um, on medium heat so until they soften. So the next part is cherries. These were frozen and I thawed them last night. They're already pitted, um, but you could use fresh cherries or again, if you want to use a different fruit, go for it. <laughs> um, and then dates are one of my favorite. I'm sure many people watching enjoy eating dates because they're so sweet naturally sweet and are such a delicious option. So I'm gonna put about a quarter cup of chopped medjool dates in here, um, along with a little bit of water, just so it doesn't dry out. Um, and let's really just give it a good stir. Um, and what we wanna do is bring this to a boil and simmer it for five minutes covered. Um, so while that's kind of heating up, I wanna tell you a little bit about the base of that breakfast. So I chose to go with overnight oats for today, but this, the truth is, is I get really tired of eating breakfast, the, the same thing every day. So I have to switch it up. <laughs> um, so for today, I have overnight oats. What I did last night is I just took about a half a cup of rolled oats, um, three quarters of a cup of a almond milk, but any non-dairy milk is fine, and about a tablespoon of chia seeds. And I mixed it in this bowl here, and you can see it's very thick. Um, it's not runny at all, <laughs> but it was runny yesterday. And the trick to it is those chia seeds, they absorb the liquid, the milk, and they thicken up and it's a really fun texture. Now you can eat this cold or you can heat it up if you prefer it to be hot. Um, so what, we're, what I'm gonna do is layer this in a mason jar so that I can eat it for breakfast um, now or tomorrow, whatever I wanna do. It lasts about three or four days in the fridge. But before we go into that, um, I want to tell you too that if overnight oats aren't your jam, um, or if you just want to do um, a different kind of oatmeal, you could do steel cut oatmeal, you could do hot oatmeal that you prepared on the stove. Um, I'm going to put a lid on this because it's boiling now. Um, or you could even try a different whole grain like millet or quinoa. It's very common in other cultures to do like a porridge. Um, which is a little bit more uh, milk or non-dairy milk, for example, um, with that grain. So that's really fun to vary it up. It doesn't just have to be oats. I think we kind of get stuck in this box of um, it has to be oatmeal every day because that's what I've heard is heart healthy and it is, but there are so many other things that are heart healthy too. <laughs> so I remember, I remember Dr. Neil Barnard once saying he eats tempeh and greens for breakfast. Oh, wow. Yeah. Some people like savory breakfast too. So um, if you want to do a tofu scramble or tempeh with those, uh, maybe collard greens would be really good. Um, it's definitely a lot of fun. Do you have a, do you have a favorite breakfast too, Chef Well, I, I, I eat savory breakfast because it just, I find that when I start my day with sweet, it just makes me crave sweet all day. And, and I learned that the people in the blue zones actually eat savory breakfasts. 
Wow, that's awesome. That's really, really cool. Um, it's in Okinawa, Japan. Sweet potatoes are some of the like, most common foods eaten. Um, Th that's there. what I eat as my first meal, sweet potatoes and, and, and broccoli usually. Oh, that's fun. So I, um, I kind of grew up having a sweeter breakfast, a sweeter breakfast too. Um, and so for me, it took me a long time to enjoy like oatmeal without a ton of added sugar in it because I was just so used to really sweet things. Um, but one thing I like to do with a potato is make, uh, I call it a sweet potato burrito. Um, and I like to put, I like to cut it up after I already heated it up um, in the microwave. And then I put some almond butter and some dates in it. Um, and then I close it back up and I eat like a burrito, uh, which is a lot of fun, but you could also keep it on your plate. Maybe put some raspberries on top and use a fork and knife to cut it up too. But definitely sweet potatoes are super versatile and really fun to use for breakfast as well. Yeah, I love using sweet potatoes as bread because I, I cook them, I smash them and I air fry them and it's, it's actually just like toast that way. Oh my goodness, that's really fun. I've never heard of smashing them and putting them in an air fryer. Yeah, yeah, you cook them first and then you chill them and so then they're not all mushy and then you cut them and then you kind of smash them with your hand and when you air fry them, it, it really is the taste and texture of toast. Try wow. that next time you do your, your almond butter spread on it. I, I totally like will because I do have an air fryer and that is really, really helpful to... Um, to use that. I was just talking about what else I do with the air fryer, like to put um, tofu in there and make really crispy tofu um, or roasted potatoes, but they're obviously more crispy when you put them in the air fryer. Um, but yeah, I definitely think there's so many more options and I want to explore what to do with an air fryer as well. So which, which air fryer do you have? Um, you know, I'm not sure of the brand. It's actually, it's not mine. It's someone I live with. So <laughs> I just benefit from having it. <laughs> Do you recommend a certain brand? Well, if, if you can afford the Breville, because it does a lot of other things like dehydrates and things like that, it's really oh, good. And it's nice. really big. So you, yeah, and you can serve a lot of people with the Breville, but all, oh, any air fryer is good. Yeah, air frying yeah. is fun. That's awesome. Nice. Well, I'm just going to give this a little bit of a stir. It needs a few more minutes, um, but it's starting to soften, which is good. I'm definitely seeing lots of steam coming up here, which is fantastic. Is it fun working at PCRM with Dr. Barnard and all the other superstars? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think we feed off of each other's energies. <laughs> um, but definitely, I think uh, what's been fun is during the pandemic, we really tried to shift and figure out how to do a lot of our messaging online through classes using Zoom, for example. Um, so we've been really innovative and supportive of each other um, during this time to figure out how can we still get the mission across of helping people eat more plant-based foods, um, but not doing that as much in person. So uh, it's definitely been great. We've, we even pivoted to have our annual conference, which you've been at um, virtually this past summer. So we're gonna do it virtually again um, this coming July. Uh, so definitely if anybody is a healthcare professional here or not, and you just wanna attend our International Conference for Nutrition and Medicine, uh, definitely check that out on our website, pcrm.org. And it's a really great conference. Um, very, very excited about our speakers coming up. So <laughs> nice. And what's it called? The International Conference for Nutrition in Medicine. Okay, I'll see if I can find the link. Thank you. Yeah, I believe it's pcrm.org forward slash ICNM, uh, but you can double check. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's a great, great conference. Definitely really excited about it. Um, but all right, so let's talk a little bit more about breakfast. Um, 
I do find some people, some of my patients are not really necessarily hungry in the morning. Um, and so some of them wait a little bit later in the middle, you know, in the late morning to start eating breakfast. And that's okay. Um, a lot of people ask about that. You know, do you have to have breakfast? And um, I think it's very personalized to each person. But um, keeping in mind too, that if we're eating a lot later in the evening, we're less likely to be hungry in the morning when we, we wake up. Um, so if you're trying to transition your, your meals to be earlier in the day, thinking about when you stop eating in the evening will help you to be more hungry in the morning, a longer period of time without eating. So it makes sense, but um, just helpful to share for anybody who's trying to figure out you know, how do I start eating earlier in the day instead of having late night habits? <laughs> so, all right, let's check on this fruit. It's definitely looking really good and softening. Uh, so basically what you want to see is that as you stir it, that um, it's not very hard to move things around. Like the apples are really soft. They're not crunchy and firm anymore. So I think it's looking really good. Uh, we can go ahead and move on to the next step of this recipe. Um, so what we're going to do is it's kind of runny and you wanna add some cornstarch in, which I diluted with some water. We're just gonna give it another stir here. Um, and we're gonna go ahead and pour that in because it will thicken it up. Uh, and if you wanted to use a different type of thickener, uh, I think there's something called agar agar, heard of that one before. Um, you could totally, or arrowroot powder, you could look into those um, if you're trying to um, have different options. So this works pretty quickly. It, it basically absorbs the water quite quite fast. Um, and so it's very effective in thickening up this compote. Um, and so the last step here is adding in some vanilla and cinnamon, but you could switch this up. If you wanted to do something like almond extract and nutmeg, um, you could do that. Um, you could definitely switch up which extract you want to use and which spice you want to mix in here. If you want to do a pumpkin pie spice, that's really fun too. Um, and just adds another addition of flavor without you know needing added sugars. So that's a benefit too for a more nutritious option. All right, so I'm going to turn this off. And what I want to show you is layering. Um, this nice little overnight oatmeal. So I'm going to put some of this fruit on the bottom. This fruit should make enough for about four breakfast, depending on what your appetite is. <laughs> um, and it's totally okay if you uh, need to eat more or less. Um, it almost looks like another. an oatmeal. Go no, ahead. I was gonna say it looks like an oatmeal sundae. Yes, yeah, I love the idea of layering it because it just looks prettier. And there's something about making your food look pretty. It's more exciting to eat it. Uh, so I'm all about that presentation. You always enjoyed cooking? Yeah, I always have. Um, I think, you know, thankfully my, my family uh, really was okay with having kids in the kitchen and helping. <laughs> um, kind of depends on, you know, your, um, who's doing the cooking. Sometimes people don't like having others involved, you know, kids and because it can be more messy, but it's such a good learning experience. Um, and most recently, actually, it was really fun. Um, my dad and I made a vegan eggplant parmesan. Um, and when I was a kid, we used to make um, uh, eggplant parmesan with like dairy cheese. So it was really fun to figure out a new way to make 
a favorite of ours that we like to do together. So you can see here, we've got a nice kind of layered overnight oats. It's very hot right now, but um, we're gonna let that cool. And um, you can, that's just a fun way to present that overnight oats. And again, if I don't wanna eat it right now, I can you know, seal it, put it in my fridge and eat it within the next two or three days. And it's really good. So that's a, that's a breakfast. That looks amazing. Were you plant-based before you went to school to be a dietitian or vice versa? No, I actually got into it my last year in college. Um, a friend of mine who was in the pro nutrition program with me was plant-based and had me watch Forks Over Knives, which a lot of people, uh, they tend to watch that as their first documentary and they're like, wow, <laughs> it's very uh, convincing and um, presents a lot of fantastic case studies uh, about people that improved their heart disease, weight, diabetes um, through eating plant-based. So it was a little revolutionary for me to um, watch that, especially at the end of my program and just, just kind of wonder, well, all right, I'm missing something. <laughs> um, we've got to figure out like what's, what's so great about plant-based diets and, and that really put me into a, uh, a new journey to study and experience those benefits myself. And I took about a year to transition and figure out, you know, how would this work for me? Is this something I want to do? And thankfully at the time I had a couple of family members who were really interested in the same thing. We kind of came at it um, at around the same time, but not from the same source. <laughs> so it was kind of cool how we both were thinking about it and could support each other and provide, you know, bring things to the family for potlucks that were something we all could eat. Um, so it's really helpful to have as much support as you can from your community and not go at it alone. Not that you can't do it by yourself, but it's always helpful to have a friend <laughs> or somebody cheering you on. What's it like in, in school for dietitian in, in being plant-based? Cause I assume there were, there were some people that already were, I mean, how do they feel about it? And do they, do they, do they actually teach in a way that somebody that wanted to be specifically plant-based dietitian could, could use? Yeah, that's a great question. And I imagine every program is different. Um, our program did highlight uh, vegan diets in general. Um, it wasn't very extensive. And so I would imagine if I were to put myself in someone's shoes who was already plant-based beforehand, um, I would imagine it would be pretty challenging just because we have to study a lot about um, vitamins and minerals found in animal products. And um, so and, and macronutrients and all that stuff and how to incorporate that into uh, someone's diet. But it's also really important, I think, for somebody who's plant-based to know that just because um, you're likely going to work with people who aren't plant-based, right? And you have to understand, um, you know, what they see as being food um, and how to prepare meals and why they, what their opinions are of it and so that you can be better informed um, and have conversations where you can relate and try and figure out a solution to help people add more plants to their plate. Uh, so I think it's valuable, but it probably would be frustrating for some um, who are, you know, plant-based already, especially for ethical reasons. I think that would be really challenging. Um, Maybe they need to have a, a school just for plant-based people that want to be dietitians. That would be pretty cool. I'm sure they'd get lots of people interested. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. So great questions. All right, so lunchtime, um, we are moving on to a mango bean salad with farro, but I want to share that, um, you know, a lot of times people think of salad and they think like iceberg lettuce with shredded carrots and ranch dressing, maybe a tomato slice and a crouton in there. 
And they're like, how do you eat that for lunch? I'm not going to be hungry. I'm not going to be full after 20 minutes. <laughs> and I totally agree. That's pretty, pretty boring and not substantial. Um, so I want to show you how to make a salad that has multiple food groups in it so that it's more satisfying and lasts longer and has a lot of fiber in it, um, which helps people feel full longer. Fiber is super important for that. Um, so I'm going to first start with one of my favorite food groups and that is legumes. So in this big bowl, we've got pinto beans and black beans that I drain and rinse. You can prepare them from dry if you want to. It is up to you. Um, one benefit if you are using canned beans for rinsing it is it gets rid of a lot of the salt. Um, so that's definitely a benefit. And it's important to meet patients where they're at too. So for example, if they're not used to beans, maybe going to preparing them from dry is going to be too much of a step. Um, and maybe they want to start with canned. Um, so that way you kind of transition into figuring out how to meal prep and spend more time preparing food. Um, so anyway, we've got two cans of beans here, one pinto and one black. Um, and we're going to add a lot more color. So we have diced red bell pepper here, really sweet, good source of vitamin C, um, add some nice crunch to it. Uh, okay. And then we're going to add in some mango again, another color. So we're going to get a whole different, uh, benefit there from that color. And this was frozen mango that I thought, but if you have ripe mango and want to cut that up, you totally can. Um, I seem to have really bad luck at picking mangoes, so I tend, tend to just go for frozen. <laughs> it's a lot easier for me. Uh, and then I picked a favorite salsa. This is a Frontera brand. I just like that one a lot, but there's many options. Uh, and this is about a half a cup of salsa. And depending on your preference for heat or you know intensity of flavor, you could do less, so maybe a quarter cup if you prefer. Um, and then we've got some different spices in here. So we have cumin, salt, allspice, uh, and that is it. So we're going to mix that in there. So these are your dried spices. Um, we're going to add a little bit of cilantro that I diced up and some green chives, or you can do green onion. Just totally depends on what you have on hand. This is a very versatile salad. You can see already we have like four different colors in here. <laughs> it looks beautiful. I'm not really, you know, even though I'm a chef, I'm really not that familiar with allspice. Oh yeah, I don't use it that much either, um, but it's really kind of fun. It reminds me a little bit of nutmeg, but I think you see it more in like Jamaican uh, cuisine and jerk rubs, stuff like that. So definitely worth exploring. Um, and so we're also gonna add a little bit of maple syrup. If you are SOS free, you could do a date paste instead. Totally great option to you know switch it up. Um, and then the last part to add some tame to it, and liquid will be some lime juice. Um, so I've got a nice little uh, juicer here. I love using this thing because it just goes really fast <laughs> um, and you get all the juice out of it. So this is nice, but you can of course just cut them into quarters and squeeze it by hand as well. So Jesse said that uh, allspice smells like mace and cloves. It does, that's a great way to describe it. I love it, very good. All right, so let's get this mixed up here. Now, this is just one recipe from PCRM's website. Um, if you go to pcrm.org recipes, you can see a lot more. Um, and you can even sign up for a three-week meal plan called our 21-day kickstart, which is totally free. You can get it as an app or online. It's 21daykickstart.org. Um, but anyway, this recipe is really awesome on its own, but I kind of want to add a little bit more 
to it. Um, so we're getting a few more vegetables and some whole grains, again, for some staying power. So I went ahead after I'm you know, stirring this up and making sure everything's combined, I cooked some farro. And this is a really fun whole grain. Um, it's got a nice chew to it. And it only takes about 35 minutes once it comes to a boil for the liquid to be absorbed. Uh, but you could try something else too if you want to do barley um, or amaranth or totally different grains. Corn works really well. If you have a bag of corn, you can just defrost it. <laughs> Doesn't require a whole lot of cooking there. Um, but the thing is, on its own, it only tastes, it only has kind of its own flavor profile. And I want to um, intensify that flavor with some of the herbs that I used in here. So I happen to have some leftover cilantro and chives. So I'm going to go ahead and just put that in the pan. Um, I already removed it from the heat, so it's not cooking anymore, which is important for things like cilantro because if you put it in while it's still hot, the color is going to kind of diminish. Um, so, and the, the flavor won't be as strong. So fresh cilantro is always going to be a little bit more um, flavorful than cooked cilantro. And then I have a little bit of lime left over, so I'm just going to squeeze that in. Um, it's totally up to you how much you want to use, but I'm just using half a lime. Um, Stephanie has a question. She says, I bought 10 minute farro from Trader Joe's. Does using pre-cooked grains diminish the nutritional value? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I want to say no. Um, I think it just changes the texture of it. So when I think about it being pre-cooked, I feel like once you're done cooking it, it's not as chewy and fluffy. And sometimes it's even smaller. Like they might even cut it in half um, so that it cooks faster. Um, so it's a smaller chew. But I don't think that would necessarily change the nutritional value unless they had added things to it other than just the grain itself. So always check that ingredient list because it's possible that they've added you know, other things like salt or oils or other spices and stuff like that. So it's going to impact um, the total nutrition of that food. But the farro itself should still provide Lots of B vitamins, iron, zinc, fun stuff like that, which is unique to that whole grains group. Okay, so, um, so we got two parts. You've got this beautiful fruity um, combination and then you have your flavorful cooked grains. But leafy greens are an important group to have every day. Um, they're really good for your eyes. And so we got a couple cups of spring mix here, but you can use any leafy greens that you want to, uh, that you like and enjoy. And we're just gonna take about um, half a cup to a cup, depending on your preference again, of cooked farro. And we're going to put that on top. I'm just gonna move this so you can see it better. All right. And so we're putting it right in the center, but kind of spreading it out a little bit. Um, it's just gonna create a salad with a lot of different textures, um, really good flavors that go well together. And then we're going to use the most colorful part on top with this mango bean salad. Um, and there's a little bit of liquid on the bottom of this salad because of the lime juice and the salsa. And so that's kind of a fun thing to sort of pour over the top to add a, kind of like a dressing. Um, you know, a lot of people wonder, you know, how do I make my own salad dressing? And when you're using so many flavorful, delicious ingredients in a salad, you don't really need a separate dressing. Um, you think about this one, it really kind of has its own dressing that's part of it from the lime juice and spices and all that stuff and cilantro. Um, but a lot of times you don't necessarily have to have a dressing. And again, it does depend on your preference of how much moisture you want in your salad. 
Uh, but you can see it here, got a beautiful salad there. So that's a lunch that I might enjoy. Um, and what I'll do is, since I'll have leftovers, <laughs> is every time that I'm ready to eat this meal, I'll just take out some leafy greens and assemble it just like I did. I'm not gonna pre-assemble it because the leafy greens will get um, all wet from the mango salad dressing or mango bean salad. So you don't wanna interfere and make it all mushy. That's kind of gross. <laughs> All right, any, any questions on that one? No, it's just, it looks delicious. Mango makes everything delicious. It does, I love it. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so, a bunch of people, Marco and Robin say they've never tried farro. So, but for somebody that had, uh, that couldn't have gluten, farro is one of the glutinous grains, right? It is, yeah, yeah. So you'd want to switch that up. Um, trying to think, quinoa could work. That would work really well. Um, oat, oat groats, maybe whole oat groats, because that, that, that's a yeah. yummy whole grain. That would be good, or even buckwheat. Um, sometimes people think that has gluten in it because the word wheat is in it, but it doesn't. Um, so check that out. Buckwheat groats are really fun um, flavor. They're very intense in terms of flavor, but I think that the lime and salsa really would kind of match the intensity of buckwheat. So it would work pretty well. I, I would say go for it. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to dinner. I'm just gonna move some things over. And dinner has a couple of recipes and a lot of this can be made in advance, which is good. Um, but we're gonna start off with some baba ganoush. So you wanna get out your food processor. Um, this is, I love food processors. Uh, just a quiz in art. It's like, if anybody ever asked me, what's the one tool that I think everybody needs? It's a, it's a food processor. I love it. <laughs> I do so many things with this, um, including making my own hummus. So, all right. So to start us off, um, I actually pre-roasted some eggplants. And all you do is you take two medium eggplants and you stab them with a fork a couple times and you roast them at 400 for about 45 minutes until they really shrunk in size. Um, and I cut them in half because what we're going to do is scoop out the um, the flesh in here and put it in our food processor to make the baba ganoush. And this is gonna be a topping for a baked potato. Um, like I said earlier with that sweet potato burrito for breakfast, uh, I really, really enjoy thinking about versatile ways to use potatoes and whether that's savory or sweet. So this whole loaded baked potato concept has been really fun for me. I switch it up pretty often when I actually put on my potatoes. Um, and this recipe in particular has more of a Mediterranean flair, but you could totally do um, other options that would reflect different parts of the world. Um, so I totally recommend that. You could do like um, a baked potato with edamame hummus on top and kimchi, uh, maybe some daikon radish, and you'd have like a really fun East Asian inspired option. Um, so totally recommend you know, playing with different flavors that you have and having fun with what can go on a potato. Uh, so it's a lot of fun. Have you ever made baba ganoush before, Chef? I haven't, but now I'm inspired to because I love eggplant and I never think about what to do with it. You know what the kind, I like the long ones that are really pretty purple. I think they're called the, the Japanese. Those are my yeah. favorite. Oh my God. Yeah, those are so good in like a curry. I'm a huge fan of those. Um, all right. So we've got the eggplant in there. It's totally roasted and soft. Um, and then we're going to add in a few other ingredients to make this baba ganoush. We're going to go ahead and add in tahini, which is ground up sesame seeds. So we got about three tablespoons 
that's getting in there. And then we're going to add in um, some spices and lemon juice. So we've got cumin, pepper, smoked paprika, uh, a little bit of salt, which you can omit if you want to. Uh, and there we go. It's really gonna add a lot of flavor to it. We also have roasted garlic. So what I did when I roasted those eggplants is I took four garlic cloves that still had the peel on them. And I put them in some foil and just put it right next to the eggplant for the same amount of time. When it was done, you could just peel them and pop out the roasted garlic and it's really smooth. I'm not sure if you can see it from there, but um, you could even use this to spread it on toast uh, if you want to. Um, it's like, reminds me a little bit of garlic butter. So huge fan of roasted garlic. Yeah, that, that's such a good idea to roast everything together. I just roast garlic cloves already peeled just in my air fryer for like 10 minutes and they're wonderful. Oh, I love that hack. That's great. I'm going to have to try that next time. <laughs> All right. And then just a little bit of lemon juice uh, to get this going in there. All right. So we're going to go ahead and turn this on. I need to rinse my hands first. All right. So once you get everything in your food processor, load that up and you're just going to pulse it until it's creamy. Looking really good. Very fast. Doesn't take that long to make this, which is a huge benefit. <laughs> um, but I'm just going to scrape down the sides a little bit and do one more quick pulse before we scoop it out. And I also feel like for people who don't really like eggplant, they probably would like this because what happens with this recipe is a lot of the bitterness from eggplant um, is actually removed. And I think that's what people generally don't like about it um, and texture. So it's totally different when you puree it, you roast it and puree it. Um, so we're just going to put it in the bowl so it's going to be easier to use for our baked potato assembly. <laughs> um, it's a great way to sneak it in, you know, or, you know, because people really don't know, I think, when it's in something that's more like hummus. Oh, yeah, they have no idea. It's super. Yeah. Uh, Lily is saying, is there anything she could substitute the tahini with? Ah, that's a good question. Hmm. Well, tahini is from sesame seeds. So if you're trying to, sometimes that's a, that's actually a very common allergen. Um, I think it's like the ninth leading allergen in the U.S. Um, so in terms of a different seed, um, I would almost imagine like maybe flaxseed could work. It doesn't have as high as high profile of fat, but it, it would help it be creamy. Um, Jeff, AJ, you are a chef. So what do you think? Is there well, you know, things think like of? white beans make things very, very creamy, or even oh. like a piece of Yukon gold potato, like four ounces cooked, that would yeah. make it really creamy. A steamed okay. cauliflower could make it really creamy. Tofu could make it really creamy. So lots of options for creaminess. I love it. That's such a great, great idea. Um, and when you do that, you go for cauliflower, potato, or bean, it's going to be a lot less fat, a lot less calories, much better for weight loss. So love it. Okay, so the next step is we're going to make a massaged kale salad. And I, it's really easy. Uh, a lot of people kind of laugh because they're like, massage and kale, how does that go together? But it does. <laughs> 
It's exactly what you think of. So I have about three cups of curly kale here that I already washed and broke apart with my hands. Don't even have to use a knife. I took the stem off. And then I have an avocado. This is a really small avocado. The recipe calls for about a third of an avocado per person. Um, but it really kind of just depends on texture. And again, this is gonna add more calories to your overall meal. So if you're trying to cut down on fat, you know, be as sparse as you can when it comes to your avocado. Um, even though it is a healthy fat from unsaturated fats, it's still a dense source of calories. So it does add up if you're trying to watch that. Okay, so we're going to put a little bit of avocado in there. I'm also going to put a little bit of lemon juice for another flavor there. So this is where you get your hands dirty. And I think it's really fun for kids to do this. Like you're literally just massaging, like pretending like this is someone's shoulders. <laughs> You're just trying to incorporate that avocado into the kale. And what's, what's happening here is that the kale uh, cell structure, cell wall, is breaking down from mechanical force, aka your hands, um, and it's going to soften and shrink in size. And what's cool about this is, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, I can't eat raw kale, like it's bitter and it's got a weird texture. But when you massage it, it becomes much more palatable and people tend to like it more um, this way instead of just straight up and raw without, um, you know, just being more um, rough on the tongue. There's also something called baby kale, which is a lot of fun. It's really smooth um, and people tend to like that texture as well, or even lacinato kale, also called dinosaur kale. There's, I think, many varieties of kale. So. Um, just, just be open to trying new things is kind of my motto, because you never know, you might find something you like uh, and really enjoy incorporating it into your meal plans. I think so, that also cutting the kale as small as possible makes it more palatable for people. It does, yes, that's another great, great tip. Anytime you're cutting something smaller, it's not as much of a shock to your tongue. Um, so. You know, if you have a big piece of garlic and something, you're really going to taste that garlic. But if you cut it up into tiny little pieces, it's not as shocking and the garlic's kind of more distributed across your recipe. So, um, and you could also do this without any avocado. You could do it with just lemon juice. Um, that is totally an option or even lime juice. That's a fun one. Um, so I just want to be able to, you know, say that there's variations to, to doing uh, massaged kale. So, it's looking pretty good. It's definitely smaller, it's darker, um, looks really tasty. And let me rinse my hands because I got avocado all over. <laughs> you know, I was thinking uh, for people that wanted to avoid avocado for whatever reason, you could massage the baba ganoush into the kale for the, for the dressing. Ooh, yeah, that's totally worth trying. I love that concept. Why not give it, a, give it a shot? Okay, so to finish this off on how to assemble, um, let's talk first about roasted chickpeas. So they become, they're becoming more popular in the super, supermarket, but a lot of times they're going to be laden with oil, um, which is not as helpful for us. So let's figure out you know, how do you make them on your own? Well, if you get out a baking sheet and um, get canned chickpeas or pre-cooked if you want to make them yourself from dry, you're going to you know, make sure that they are dry. You don't want to have any wetness to it. Um, and you're going to toss in some different spices. So for this one, we're using smoked paprika, a little bit of apple cider vinegar, basil, cinnamon, um, and then you toss it all together and you put it on your baking sheet. So there's an even layer. 
and you roast that in the oven for about 20 minutes at 400. Um, you do want to keep an eye on it because you could burn these. <laughs> but basically what you want to do is they're going to be nice and crispy. Um, they're going to be golden brown and they're kind of, they're just as crunchy as a crouton. So that's why I like to think of them like they're really good on salads. And again, it's that legume food group, which adds a whole lot of protein and fiber. So I already, I already made these yesterday. Um, and that's what I'm trying to say is that you can make a lot of this stuff in advance, especially the baba ganoush and the roasted chickpeas if you want to for a quicker assembly. But when you're, when you're storing these roasted chickpeas, you don't want to seal the container entirely because you're going to cause all the moisture in there to be retained and then they won't be crispy the next day. So making sure that you leave a little bit of air for um, you know, allowing it to continue to dry out, if you will. <laughs> Um, so we have three different, four different toppings for the potato, and um, I already cooked our potato. And again, only assemble potatoes um, when you're ready to eat them. So for example, this recipe calls for three different potatoes. I'm only going to eat one potato at a time. So um, that's, you know, I just cooked one and I'll, I'll, I'll put this together the next day when I, I want to eat the rest. So I'm going to take some nice baba ganoush and spread it nice and thick. Um, in the center of the potato. So making sure it's really covered um, and flavored there. Then we're going to take this massaged kale salad, as much as I can fit here, because the more greens the merrier. Um, and we're going to put it around the potato. So again, I'm thinking about that plate. Diane would like to know, do you have to refrigerate the roasted chickpeas? No, 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 please don't. <laughs> that actually will add more moisture um, and then they won't be as crispy. So um, it's a great question because you think, oh my goodness, like I probably need to refrigerate that as food. But in this case, you do not. Um, so we've got this huge bed <laughs> of kale with a potato sitting on it. Um, and the next thing we're going to do is add in, let's grab this thing here, our roasted chickpeas on top. So about a a third of these chickpeas I'll put in there. I got that. And then some roasted red pepper. Um, you could make it your own or buy it already roasted in a jar. Um, but this is going to add a lot of really fun color and a little bit of moisture as well. So I do realize that we've used bell pepper in two meals, which kind of goes against my variety, but hey, it's fun. <laughs> it's a really good option for here. So. Um, so yeah, we got some roasted red bell pepper on top and uh, you are good to go with this meal. If you want to enjoy a baked potato with that baba ganoush, smoky chickpeas and roasted red pepper. Oh my God. I mean, this is like restaurant quality. Everything you made looks amazing. So, and you really do eat this this way. Yeah, I do. I love eating this way. Um, I love to cook and meal plan and, you know, think about you know, here, so here's an example. Like if you think about the different legumes we use today, we use chickpeas, black beans, and pinto beans. I didn't use the same of those. Um, the grains today, we used uh, farro, oats, um, and I guess that's it, but we could have added another one in there. So for example, if you're like, this isn't gonna fill me up, you could add a whole grain to it. That's totally fine. Um, so that you're getting more of that food group. Um, but I would say that the amount of whole grains that I used in breakfast and lunch were probably a double portion. So I'm not trying to limit that necessarily. Um, and that they're definitely an important food group to include. And then in terms of fruit, we've got apples and cherries and mangoes. You could even add another fruit to finish this meal off if you wanted to. 
um, and vegetables galore, like lots of different vegetables used today and herbs and spices. So that is like the way to have flavor, color, <laughs> different textures and to enjoy your food. But I also definitely understand some people don't want it to be as complicated. Or they want to simplify things. And there's a lot of ways to do that um, depending on what your skill level is and how much time you want to spend in the kitchen. Nice. So when people see you as, as like as a patient, what, what mostly do people consult you for? I would say the most common diagnoses or things that people are looking for, are how do I lose weight? Um, how do I improve my blood sugar? How do I lower my cholesterol? Um, how do I lower my triglycerides? Uh, those are probably the most common ones. Um, or if they just want to say like, hey, I'm new to eating plant-based and I'm not sure if I'm getting all the nutrients I need. Can you kind of look at what I'm eating and make recommendations and make sure all those vitamins and minerals are in check? Um, so I think that's really helpful to have a dietitian look at that, especially when you're new um, to eating plant-based because maybe it's a little bit uh, unfamiliar territory for you. <laughs> Great. Do you see only adults at the Barnard Medical Center? We do. Yeah. So 18 and up, but there's wow. so many plant-based pediatricians. Um, that if you go to pcrm.org slash find a doctor, um, you can look up a whole lot of different doctors and, and um, narrow it down by um, specialty. And it's not just doctors too, there's dietitians on there. And if you happen to be a healthcare professional, please go ahead and register so you can be on that site um, and have more people find you. <laughs> That's great. Have you ever worked with children? Um, not in terms of nutrition counseling. I have done some lessons in schools. I got to go to Santa Barbara a few years ago and um, they have a school garden there. And we had a really fun opportunity to have about five or six different classrooms of fourth through sixth graders come and learn about um, how to make a quesadilla, a vegan quesadilla with the produce that was found in their garden. So definitely I love doing presentations with kids, but I can't counsel them right now. So. <laughs> right. Well, the thing is, is we really have to educate the parents because they, they, you know, I, so many children just won't eat the beautiful, healthy food you made because they're so addicted to the junk food. And then you hear the parents say, oh, but my kid is a picky eater. There's, they're only a picky eater because you give them choices like junk food. Yeah. And I also think that what kids start off with, like before they're even reached the age of three, um, can influence their taste buds. But I think that taste, I absolutely know taste buds change. I mean, I can, I'm a true testament to that. I mean, I've gone from not being plant-based to plant-based. I, I started liking tomatoes and olives and sauerkraut and um, raisins, like things that I didn't like as a kid became more interesting to me as I kind of opened my mind up to thinking about like hmm, different textures and tastes. So I would say keep trying. If you have kids, like keep trying. Um, it's totally worth it. I, I used to get so mad. My mom would make me try tomatoes so many times. And I was like, I don't like tomatoes. And she's like, no, try them. They're so good. Like, because she grew them in the garden. And, um, you know, maybe after like 15, 20 times, I started to like them, but it took that much, you know, it took that many times for me to get used to it. And now I love tomatoes. I can't imagine not eating them. So <laughs> That's great. Uh, it's worth, it's worth it. Just want to thank Lily for the kind super jet donation. I appreciate it very much. So we have a couple of questions. I don't know if you can answer these or not, but I'll ask them anyway. One is from Sandy. How do you lower LDL and Barb? How do we lower triglycerides? Mm, okay. So in terms of LDL, you want to look at bringing down saturated fat and cholesterol. Um, cholesterol is only found in animal products. Um, so if you get rid of those, that's one big step. The other one uh, for saturated fat is going to be found in things like nuts and seeds. Um, sometimes the fake vegan meats and cheeses have more oils in them, which you can find saturated fats. 
Um, so taking a look at labels and starting to you know, see if it has little to none, uh, I think the American Heart Association recommends no more than 11 grams of saturated fat a day, um, which you could definitely do much less than that, that's fine. Um, and then in terms of triglycerides, you want to look at not just total fat content for your day, roughly you want about 15% of calories from your diet coming from fat. It definitely depends on the person, but um, especially if you're trying to improve blood sugar, um, any kind of lipids, so cholesterol, triglycerides, LDL, um, or lose weight, you want to keep total fat low. But in addition to that, for triglycerides, sometimes what can raise it is alcohol and refined uh, carbohydrates. So you're eating a lot of things like white bread or white cereals, um, white pastas. Um, those can increase the triglyceride count just because um, they're more refined and broken down. It's always better to go for that whole grain option, 100% whole grain, um, ideally those that are intact. Um, so just like the greens that we looked at today, they're intact um, and they're whole grain. They haven't been turned into a flower, but it's also okay for things to be turned into a flower. It's just good to have a variety of them and make sure that nothing's been removed and made it into a white grain. Nice. Does everybody that works at PCRM bring their lunch? Um, a lot of people do, but we actually, um, when we were in person, um, we had the privilege of uh, getting catered food from DC Vegan. It's a local catering company. And so if you wanted to buy your lunch at work, you could from... Um, from this catering company, which is really fun because they definitely experiment with lots of different recipes. But um, I would say there's a lot of people that really enjoy packing their own lunch too. And it's fun to see what people are making. So I'd love to see, I'd love to look inside that refrigerator sometime. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, when we're back in person, in DC. <laughs> yeah, maybe we can do a video from the PCRM offices and look in that. Well, this has been wonderful. I put your, thank you so much for the recipes. I put them in the show notes so people can try them. Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much for allowing me to walk through them. It was a lot of fun. No, it really was. It really was a lot of fun. So when people say, what does a dietitian eat in a day? We can, we can tell them. Yeah, that's what I eat. And again, you can modify it. If you eat more, eat less, that's totally okay. You know, exactly like me, just an idea. <laughs> well, oh, I was going to let you go, but Lori just posted a question and I think I know the answer, but I'll let you answer. And I think it has to do with the schooling. What is the difference between a registered dietitian and a nutritionist? There's really no such thing as a nutritionist, is there? Yeah. So, okay. Um, that's a great question. Um, people who did, um, who passed the dietitian exam through CDR can call themselves a dietitian. You also have to pay for um, your licensure, but um, you have to go through schooling. You have to do a supervised practice and internship. Um, and then sit for that exam in order to become a registered dietitian. Um, sometimes you'll see credentials of RD or RDN. Um, and in the past couple of years, it's been common for dietitians to add that extra letter at the end just to be called a registered dietitian nutritionist. But I've seen people do it both ways. Um, but a nutritionist, just straight plain nutritionist, really could be anybody. Sometimes they'll have certificates, um, which is great. But they can't work in like a hospital setting, for example, because they're not licensed, they don't have um, an RD. So there's a bit of a limitation of what you can do in your work if you're um, a nutritionist. Um, you can only make general recommendations. You can't really treat anybody for a certain condition or diagnosis like diabetes, for example. And Barbara wants to know, does fruit raise triglycerides? Mm, um, no, I don't think so. Um, I would think more so like added sugars and like more of those refined carbohydrates would be more of an issue. Um, 
but yeah, I wouldn't worry so much about fruit. It's fantastic food. Um, definitely a great thing to include every day, multiple times a day. Great. So last question, what's your favorite thing about working at PCRM? Oh, okay. Um, hmm. I mean, there's so many answers I could give you. That's hard. Um, I think for me, one of my favorite things is how much I get to do um, that's different every day and every year. So I really am able to get my hands in a lot of different categories, whether it's like school lunch policy or event planning, creating nutrition handouts, counseling patients, going on TV. Like there's a huge plethora of responsibilities and um, areas that I can go in. And that doesn't even begin to encompass all that we do as a nonprofit. And there's so many other programs that we have just in our nutrition department alone um, that are, that's going on every day, working really hard to make those um, happen successfully. So the diversity of you know, roles and tasks that we have make it such a fun place to work because um, you're constantly being challenged and having to be innovative and um, you know, grow as a person as a result too. That's great. Well, thank you so much for the work you do. Oh, oh thank you. Likewise. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kelly wants to know if you have a website of your own. I don't. I know I should. Um, I'm kind of like, I haven't gotten there yet, but definitely follow us at PCRM and Barnard Medical Center. Um, and yeah, maybe one day I'll, I'll show, uh, I'll come up with an Instagram at some point. <laughs> and uh, are you coming out with a cookbook? Beth wants to know. Oh, that's such a great question. No, I am not. Um, but who knows, that could be something I do um, eventually. I have helped tailor a lot of the 21 day kickstart uh, recipes and meal plans. So if you wanna get an idea of some of the work that I've done, you can, you can check that out. And I have some more videos there too. So in that app um, and program, there is a video and learning section and I'm featured in quite a few of those. So if you wanna learn how to make things like tofu scramble um, or uh, sweet potato hash, you can watch me do that there. And, and where, 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 would I, where would they find it one more time so I can put that in the show notes? Yeah, 21daykickstart.org is the website. And you just sign up for it. It's totally free. They have access to all the learning videos. Great. Thank you so much. It was so nice meeting you, Maggie. It was a Likewise. wonderful presentation. Aw, thanks, Chef AJ. I appreciate it. <laughs> my pleasure. If you have any other great people you want to send my way from PCRM, please let me know. And thanks all of you for watching another episode of Chef AJ Live. Please come back in two hours when we have another wonderful cooking demonstration from Jill Dalton from the Plant-Based Cooking Show. She's going to be making a homemade gluten-free bread with hummus. Thanks again, Maggie. Take care.